Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You cannot Google any character ever. You Google Yoshi and you scroll down for like three seconds and you're going to find a foot fetish picture. Daddy, why is Yoshi so pregnant and sweaty? (laughs) Hello and welcome to Pocket Buds, a back pocket podcast where I talk to my best buds about video games and stuff. This week, we're talking about 2021. Back to 2021, what comes to mind? Many people would consider 2020 to be the worst year of the 2020s so far, but I would argue that 2021 was the second worst. So would most people, maybe. So let's reflect, shall we? January 6th. Thousands storming the Capitol after a rally with President Trump. You might be thinking, Ruby, this is a video game podcast. What does the January 6th insurrection have to do with that? The answer is simple. I thought it would be funny to bring up first. Oh. 2021 was also the second year of the COVID-19 pandemic. At this point, there isn't really anything new or exciting you can say about COVID-19 that hasn't already been said by either your most punishing family member on Facebook or a random broad on Twitter who thinks poor people made it worse for some reason. And finally, the third and potentially worst part of 2021 was the fact that it was the first year of New Year's sunglasses being designed with the year on top of the frames due to the numbers in said year not being designed to fit around the frames. It was a scary and messed up time we were living in. But what about the good of the world, the good parts of 2021? Most importantly, the video games of 2021. While it wasn't a huge year for games due to the world-stopping events of the year prior, it still brought in some real bangers. For me personally, 2021 was one of the worst and best years of my life and was also the beginning of my career in video games media. Two years on and I think I've comfortably made a name for myself as the greased up freak of Australian games journalism. But let's stick with the games of 2021 and talk to somebody that's also been taking a trip down memory lane. Joining me to talk about 2021 in video games is quote unquote political podcaster Andrew Law from Bunta Vista and he's also my friend. Hi, Andrew. Hello, my friend, Ruby. <laughs> How you going? Uh, ah, politics. That thing we all think about yeah. and talk about all the time. 
I think we should start the show with a bit of uh, a political chat. What do you think about it? Uh, I was driving my kids to school this morning and uh, there was like a big, a big shitty clapped out bus kind of thing driving in front of us and someone had written, vote no, really awesome. big on the back of it. And my kids were like, why does that say vote no? And I said, I don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, having to explain everything that's going on with the referendum. Oh, man. To children is really difficult. Like, but even worse to like anybody who goes online. Yeah, like my kids are very not online by Good. design because they are not old enough to be left Good. unattended online, you know. How old are they? They are um, eight and, t- well, one will be eight very shortly. She will tell you if you meet her. Mm. Um Eight and ten, let's say. Eight and ten. I think I kind of got my first taste of the internet, no filter, when I was about ten. So, uh, from personal experience, it's probably really good for you that your kids aren't <laughs> on there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, we, we have like what I think are pretty, probably to a lot of people, pretty archaic rules about it in our house, where like we have a laptop that they can, um, you know, do do the little school stuff or play little shitty flash games that they love. Cool. We've got a PS5, we've got a Nintendo Switch and they're over there fighting about who gets to use the computer to play like a little shitty flash game. And that's beautiful. Oh, that rocks. The beauty of the internet is flash games. Yeah. And it's like you you can't take that laptop to another room. It lives out here in a common area where we can see what you're doing. No, that's good. I'm like, when I ultimately decide to pop some out, I don't think kids should yeah. be allowed unrestricted access to the internet until they are like 18. When people tell me stories, I'm a very judgmental parent. When people <laughs> tell me stories about something that happened with their kid, particularly relating to online, there's always this big blank spot in the story where I'm like, how did everyone get there though? Because... Mm. Well, sorry, what what I mean by this, right, is like a little while ago, uh, my wife's having uh, drinks with a friend of hers. Our kids are friends, right? Yeah. They're two 10-year-olds. And my wife's friend says, oh, so the other day we discovered that our kid has a secret YouTube channel and she's posting videos of herself dancing on there. And I, I heard about this secondhand and was like, that's not good hmm. at all. That's not good at all. And the daughter has uh, given the excuse, oh, you you have to make a YouTube account to watch anything on YouTube, which we all know is very not true. But for me, again, the big blank spot here was like, how much completely unattended, unrestricted time does your 10-year-old have with a device to register a YouTube account? It takes ages to upload videos to YouTube. Oh my God, <laughs> it, takes it takes so, so long. long. I think I have, I have one video uploaded on my personal YouTube account. It's unlisted and it's literally a video that I re-uploaded because I wanted to send it to a friend. And it's like a video of someone putting a Luigi plush into an open washing machine. And <laughs> it's that it's the fucking Mario Kart music. It's like But like it's as it starts playing, he goes in the washing machine and then goes <laughs> and it's an incredible video and I don't would. remember why like when I uploaded it I just remember that I uploaded it for the sole purpose to send to somebody because like, for some reason I couldn't send it to them with uh, on the platform that it was on it is 
1000% the thing that puts me off doing any kind of like video content for our podcast mm. is we've we've done like, you know, some streams and stuff before and people say, oh, it, it disappears off like the Twitch on demand thing after a while. Can you put it up on YouTube? And you go to upload a two hour long video to YouTube and it says come back in 97 days. And it also it might not work. Well, that's the thing. That that clip was about five, six seconds long. It took 10 minutes to upload. Yeah. So it makes me go, how much she time, time. did you have with that device? She had time. She had time. I can't believe this happened somewhere else where it's, I wasn't. It's just crazy. Because like if you're if you're buying your kid like an iPhone or an iPad and and that device has internet, then your kid's going to go on the internet because the internet is the most interesting place in the world. There's ev- everything is on the internet. Like it's, it's, it's one of the most magical things that, that you can do is go on the internet. Very much. There's all kinds of stuff on there. More than ever before, there's stuff on the internet. And every day there's more. Yep. So like, of course they're going to go on the internet. Of course they're going to find some fucked up thing and be scarred for life. And then you're going to be like, how did this happen? It's my child. My my kids, if uh, I think the kinds of things that my kids would be looking for on Google would be like drawing of this character that I like from a cartoon. It's like you don't want to see the kinds of drawings people are putting up of oh, Kim Possible or whatever. You cannot Google any character ever. Do not Google Chun Li drawing. <laughs> Do not Google it. it. You you Google Yoshi uh-uh. and you scroll down for like three seconds and you're gonna mm-hmm. find a foot fetish picture like and it's it's so easy daddy why is yoshi so pregnant and sweaty <laughs> well i don't want to talk about that right now i don't want to get into all that and kids love asking questions so you know that's a question that'll come up what's really difficult i think at the age they're at is giving like giving your kids the appropriate amount of information about stuff. We're big believers in like more information is better, you know? Mm. Sex education, bodily autonomy, yeah. consent, all these things. The more you talk about them, the more normal it is. All that sort of stuff. Nobody's nobody's left in the dark just wondering what should I do in this totally. situation. But like there's also times that they ask us a question and we're like, well, that's pretty complicated. Here's three aspects of this thing and you're like 30 seconds in and they're sort of eyeing the door. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're checked I, out. I had enough information about this seven minutes ago. Yeah. But um, the thing with kids is sometimes they'll ask a question, but like, and they'll start getting an answer. But midway through getting that answer, they're like, I actually don't care about this. I think I just don't wanted to say something out loud. Much. Sometimes what your kids want is to ask you a question and have you respond. Yes, what yeah. you thought about that thing was right, yeah. you know. But hey, don't we all? Oh, absolutely. And I think the the other sort of flip side of that is, like, it, particularly in things like saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to let my kids play Call of Duty with a headset on talking to random strangers on the internet, uh, calling them all kinds of slurs or whatever. Oh, yeah. Versus, like... You know, and, and, and unfettered access to the internet and just kind of kind of pulling back on that. But also, you got to acknowledge, like, they will be using all of this stuff. They are going to have phones. They mm. are going to be playing games online. They are going to be going on the internet, all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's the thing I'm kind of grappling with at the moment at the age they're at is, like, 
what are the best ways to kind of introduce them to parts of the internet? I mean, I don't have to worry about them like getting on Facebook because nobody joins Facebook anymore. That's fine. It's all Instagram. Everybody's in their discords now. They're, they're WhatsApps. But also Snapchat. Like Snapchat's still big with young people, which worries me because I think Snapchat is a bed of depravity. It is an evil, evil place. Even just with like the explore page, it's some of the most brain dead dropkick shit you will ever, ever consume. Like like, like the news, it, and it's not. <laughs> They've got news on Snapchat? Yeah. Oh, Grunky Pop and Phaeton Panning just broke up after two weeks together and they're two influences that you should know about for some reason. That's something that I've that I've definitely learned to let go of in my life, the idea that I need to know about everybody and everything because mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's like sometimes you see the the trending topics on Twitter, which I I'm still going to keep calling it Twitter, I think. Oh yeah, fair. Like you see the trending topics and it's like this celebrity and you haven't heard of them, they're from another country. And they have like 250 million Twitter followers. And it makes me go, hey, there's all kinds of stuff out there. There's too many K-pop groups to possibly ever wrap your head around. Mm. But we're ARMY here. We're BTS ARMY here. Yes. I pledge my loyalty to BTS. Thank you. Are they still on a little ARMY hiatus? Uh, yeah, they're in actual ARMY. They are straight up <laughs> doing military service. They are officially <laughs> BTS ARMY. Yeah, they are BTS ARMY. I went to design school with a, a South Korean guy and he was yeah. just kind of jumping around from international school thing to international school thing so he didn't have to go home and do army. Awesome. Yeah, and then after a while he was like, oh, getting pretty, getting pretty worried. A buddy of mine like went home to see his family over the holidays and they were just like, soldiers waiting for you at the airport. Yeah. There's just dudes and they're like, gotcha, gotcha, come on. The thought of like going to war... And, like, your face-to-face with Jimin is crazy to me. (laughs) (laughs) So beautiful. Whoa, I loved Butter. And then he shoots (laughs) you in the head. (laughs) Thank you. Bam. (laughs) He puts you down like a dog and you say thank you. You say thank you, Jimin. Now that we're well acquainted and we've we've had our our goose Mm -hmm, and gaffes, mm -hmm. it's time to take a trip back to 2021 because you if i understand correctly have been playing a game that came out in 2021 and so have i but you're gonna go first so you've been playing inscription correct 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 now for those of us who haven't played inscription would you be able to explain it a little bit i guess what i found playing it was that it's it's quite by by design seems set up to sort of defy description a little bit but it's a deck building roguelike with elements of ARG and escape room type stuff. And then as you go along and play the game, it sort of introduces different mechanics and everything. And then at particular points, it kind of goes, oh, it's a completely different game now. We're just, we're just breaking the, the reality of the game and doing some different stuff. We'll carry over some of those mechanics. And then you do that for a while and it goes, ah... Doing it again, uh, which I found very fun. Yeah. Found very fun to play along for a bit and then go, wait, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> uh, which is nice. I feel like that's an experience that you don't get with like AAA games, you know? You don't get from the, from the big blockbuster games. Mm. That's, I think, part of the reason that I've found myself connecting with games like this a bit more, even though we are going to, I think, talk about a, a AAA game later, is that... I've really struggled over the last couple of years with like starting some big budget AAA game 
and it goes, here's a 17 minute long cinematic that you're, we're just going to kind of get you to walk through while we do a massive exposition dump. Mm. And then we're going to show you how to walk with the stick. And then we're going to say, press circle to crouch under this log that we've placed in your way. And then they're like really slowly drip feed you the controls over the next like two hours. Feels a lot like with a lot of new games, you know, all of the very kind of like has 150 hours of gameplay. And it's like the first, you don't get to start doing any of it for like four hours. You know? Yeah, the first four hours are a tutorial. Yeah, which really I'm, I'm finding more and more as I, as I, I don't know, get older or whatever, that I, I'm going through that period and then I'm just putting the game down and not picking it back up. Yeah. You know? But uh, yeah, Inscription, I was, I was very much enjoying you. You basically come to in a creepy little cabin. There's mm. kind, of a, kind of a grotty, uh, pixely... 8-bit kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And you uh, you come to and there's a mysterious person saying, Hey, you're back. Time to play a game with me. And then you start playing a game and they kind of explain some of it and kind of don't. Uh, which I think, I think that was part of what I enjoyed about it was the lack of hand-holding. The kind mm. of... Because it does have that... Uh, because it does have that kind of gameplay loop of like Hades and things like that. You play along for a bit and then you die and then you go back to the start and do it again, knowing the things that you now know from the last time you played through it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, really gave me some of those satisfying moments that I get from other pursuits um, where you've, you've gone through something a couple of times and then something sort of clicks for you in your head or you'll get cards in some combination that you didn't get them before or, you know, some of the other stuff they, they introduce. There's little sort of mechanics for kind of like fusing cards together or, or taking attributes from one card and putting them onto another, all that sort of stuff. And then that'll happen in some combination that suddenly gives you like this very, very strong deck of cards. And you go, oh, oh, I could have been doing that the whole time. Oh. <laughs> And and uh, would you be because it's it's kind of a horror game as well, is it not? Like a psychological horror type business. Yeah, I, like it's even got kind of Blair Witchy sort of elements to it, where hmm. after a certain amount of the game, because again, like each time you die, they kind of go, "Oh, you're back again," and there's this suggestion that you've kind of already been there, the Shining type you've been here the whole time kind of thing. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's there's these bits of kind of lore sprinkled through it. Um, as it goes along, you kind of get suggestions from actual characters on cards and stuff like that about yeah. um, what's going on and who's keeping you trapped here and that sort of stuff. And then at a certain point, it breaks out of that entirely. Spoiler alerts for this old game. Um, <laughs> it sort of breaks... Breaks out of that entirely and starts giving you like video clips of, um, of like a, a a real person. You know, it's it's actual actors on video oh, kind shit. of thing, and you are sifting through these video clips on a memory card, 
Um, and it's all a it's all uh, like a streamer. It's a gaming streamer talking about this this game he's been playing called Inscription, and he's opening physical packs of cards and going through them all. It's also meta. Ooh. Yeah, and he he finds you know one that's already been opened and has a has like coordinates on it, and he goes out to the real life place. So there's this kind of oh, I'm out in the woods and doing weird stuff kind of vibe. As you sort of scrub through all these things as well, there's little little bits of stuff where you start to think to yourself, I should maybe be making a note of that. Like a little little symbol somewhere, little times written down and numbers and stuff like that. I started uh, snapping pictures of things on my phone on the screen and going, I feel like I'm going to need to know that later on at some <laughs> point in the game. But it's it's very much a game where like because you're doing all of these repeated runs of things yeah even if you kind of do miss something i don't know i think there's i think there's a lot of replay value in it i did i finished it after i don't know i don't know how long i spent playing it because it had that effect on me where i think the first time i played it it was like 6 p.m or something like that Mm. and uh my kids had had dinner and stuff and they went off and did all their bedtime stuff and they came past and said good good night to me and i was like good night and then they went to bed and then i looked at the clock again and it was like one in the morning and i went oh yeah <laughs> up oh yeah <laughs> you got me. I, f- I feel like that's that's kind of the the sign of a game really hooking you in yeah is when you just completely lose track of time oh very much it was really really moorish really like <laughs> oh just one more one more little round of that and then but because I guess because it's uh, so sort of yeah, you play through, you die, you start again. You do kind of as the game goes on, you you can step away from the table you're playing at, look around the cabin that you're in, mm. um, and there's like little puzzles to be solved and stuff like that. And if you and you get hints for those through the games that you're playing, all that kind of thing. Looking through the rule book that, that tells you what all the different cards do and everything, and there's stuff scribbled in the margins, you know. And if you solve some of those puzzles you then get things that stay with you through subsequent playthroughs of the game and and are like boons to your things that you're doing but but there gets to be like a real rhythm to it much much like Hades which was something else that I think I played all the way through but as you go through it you go oh this this combination of things does this particular thing but you also don't know what you're going to get on any particular run you're just getting cards as you go through, and then when you start again, it's like, all right, you're down to your core of stuff, you know. Yeah, sick. But uh, but yeah, just that just that loop. You just start again and go, oh, here I am again. And you don't really <laughs> sort of say, oh, you know, it's not, it's not like the very old days of video games. When I was a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I, when I was a kid playing Gauntlet on... A coin-operated <laughs> machine. Remember <laughs> coins, everybody? Remember coins? I don't coins? know what that is. I'm young and pretty. That's right. I don't know what a coin is. It's a bloody cashless economy. And, um, <laughs> and like, uh, I think a lot of people my age who have that nostalgia for, for old games from the, mm. like, you know, the NES and Super Nintendo and Mega Drive kind of era, and you go back and play some of them, particularly arcade games, and you go, this is fucked. This is way too hard. Yeah. Like people people like to complain about oh games games uh, aren't hard enough now cuz you die and then you just start again at a checkpoint. It's like good. 
That's better than you die, fuck you, start the whole game again. I don't want to do that. I think, I think you know, uh, I think it's commendable that people want a challenge. They want a challenging experience. Um, but I think it's actually good that games have now come far enough that you can choose just how hard they are rather than a game coming out and just being fuck off difficult. And, like, if you can't beat it, too bad. Like, it means that everybody can play the game, you know? Like, you don't have to be the best at video games. Like games back then were fucking yeah. hard. I tried the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy years ago, when it, around the time it came out, and that shit was fucking hard because Crash Bandicoot was hard. It was a hard game, and I got bored because I I, I wasn't I wasn't doing well, so I just ended up playing something else. And I'm sure that there are Crash fans in in the crowd who will be like, no. Go back. Hard. Crash Bandicoot speedrunners. But, uh, the, I mean, the game that I want to talk about is was pretty hard and it was kicking me in the head when I played it, but then I ended up finishing it and I felt really good about myself, felt like the best at video games. But we're not going to talk about that yet okay. because there's also another game that you told me you've been playing, which kind of came out in 2021 as well. It had a release in 2021 for the PlayStation 5 and that's Ghost of Tsushima which yes. I would argue is a very different game to Inscription. It's extremely different. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's much more in the ballpark of kind of what I was describing of game that you start off and there's a bunch of cinematic stuff and it goes, hey, you're a cool samurai. Up, oh, somebody's thrown you off a bridge. Classic. And you've come to and you lost all your shit and you've got to remember how to do stuff, all that kind of thing. Um, it's a great big open world. But... I guess for that kind of game, for that like. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Yeah, open world, sandbox, Assassin's Creed kind of vibe. Like there's, there's certainly games like that that I have played and enjoyed a great deal over the years, you know? Like your um your GTAs and your like the first couple of Assassin's Creed games. And then boy, they made a lot of them, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't stop. And it got to a point where they were like, we can't keep doing the same thing. So it's pirates now. It's British people. It's whatever the other one was. They kind of just it's kept, Vikings. Yeah, it's Vikings. It's Vikings, it's pirates, it's British people. It's Egyptians. It's Egyptians. It's Greeks. Yeah, they, they, they were like, we need to stay with the thing that we're doing because Assassins is cool, but we also need to make it a little bit different or else people are going to get mad at us. And it's funny. It's funny because they're coming back with Assassin's Creed Mirage. And, like, I saw the trailer for that game and I was like, oh, this is Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. And I thought it was a remake, but it was actually a completely new game. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, <clears throat> I I fucking hated the the overarching like story container 
of mm. that series of movie, of of games where it was like you're a cool assassin in Jerusalem yeah. or whatever. But what if you were also a guy lying in a matrix chair? <laughs> what, what if and, you're also a guy who was sleeping? Mm. Yeah. And then like it yeah, just every time throughout any of those games where they'd go, "Ah, you are immersed in this huge world we've built." What if we just yank you out of that real hard for like 10 minutes and get you to walk around a lab where you can't stab anyone? Zero stabbings in the lab. Yeah. We talked to you about crusaders and Templars running a Fortune 500 company or some shit. I did not. I did not care for that. Yeah. Though it was very much like, oh, you know, we want to give you two different experiences and like kind of further the story in some way to but but make it like a multifaceted story and it's like yeah but it, you could have just stayed being a guy could just done the story you were doing yeah i i wondered i remember wondering if it was like an attempt to make the character like that you are playing more identifiable to a contemporary audience you know yeah more relatable to be like i wish i was neo getting plugged into the matrix kind of thing yeah but to me, it just felt like you already sold me on the idea. Yeah. You already sold me on the idea of I'm a guy cruising around in Rome or whatever. Mm. You don't need to do a whole other thing. That's fine. Did you ever see the movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> I saw the DVD on a shelf at my old job. And I was like, maybe I'll watch that someday. And you know what? I think I'll probably go through a period where I'm feeling really weird. And I decide to watch uh, as many video game adaptation movies as I possibly can um, and then end that experience and go, do I feel any less weird? And I probably won't, but I think I'll get a lot out of the experience. But I'm guessing you've seen it. I, it's, it's, it's one of those movies that I know I've seen, but I, do, I didn't store do any memories. Yeah. I didn't store any memories. Yeah. How about this, though? Michael Fassbender is yeah. the lead. And it's got bloody Marion Cotillard... Brendan Gleeson, Jeremy Irons. They were just banging out the money for that one. Everyone makes sense in that movie ex- except for Michael Fassbender for me. Like, it feels like, it, and, unless I'm wrong, and it's not like the Assassin's Creed I'm thinking. Like, it's not set in, uh, like, the what, the first Assassin's Creed game? It's, it's set in 1492 and 2016. Okay, okay, right. <clears throat> But so like, he, he he plays it, it's it's pretty much the same as the first one. Where he plays he Ezio, is, right? Uh, he's he's playing Aguilar de Nerja, I think. In nineteen eighty six, he is adolescent Callum Lynch. Okay. And then he's and then he's grown up Cal later on, and sentenced to death for murdering Aguilar. a pimp. Oh. Uh, and then he gets put in the Animus. Yeah. The worst. And he's he's plot Element. <laughs> yeah, and Aguilar in uh, Rome. No, maybe Greece. Maybe it's somewhere. I don't. Know. I don't fucking care. Not but... a geography guy. Um, but <laughs> I'm getting distracted from Ghosts of Ghosts of Tsushima, which is yeah. To How... say that, like, yeah, I've I've played a lot of those games, and it it's just sometimes they will hook me. Mm. And and the rhythm of the game, well, like I'll get into the rhythm of the game where it's like, hey, there's these kinds of the same task that you can do in this this part of the map and every yeah. other part of the map, and that one just it just hooked me with the like, oh, I'll just do one more thing over there. I'll whistle for my horse and I'll ride over there 
and I'll have a duel with a guy. I'll make a decision that concerns my honor. Honor. Yeah. They're caring a lot about honor in that game. Oh, love honor. Honor's so important, right? Yeah. But it's like, do you want to beat the Mongols or do you want to be honorable? You know? Mm. Turns out you, you can't, can't do, do both. both? Nope. Can't do both. You will, you will upset your uncle in the course of playing this game. Ooh. He will feel that the family honor has been besmirched. Uh-huh. And eventually, <laughs> you will have to choose whether or not to kill your uncle. Okay. Okay. Cool. I mean, so if you got really strong feelings about your uncle and whether or not you want to kill him, might be the game for you. Cool. I mean, like, sure. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have just become so disenfranchised from AAA games. Yeah. In the past. Probably actually ever since I started working in games media. And from my personal experience, uh, I saw so many games come out and they were all kind of like okay or like doing the same thing or trying to do too much. Mm. And then I saw lots and lots of little indie games that were trying to outdo themselves and make them like, like stand out from the bunch. So there was that extra bit of love and passion, right? Or, or that you had to be doing something new or interesting. Mm, you know? Exactly, because you, you've got to be doing something new and interesting to kind of stand out. Like, like, like Inscription is so unlike anything else, and that's so awesome, you know. And then you've got uh, a lot of AAA games coming out that you know they, they are still doing new things, but it also just feels like they're trying too hard to be a movie. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know what I don't give a fuck about at all mm. is like when when they're showing uh, showing off like you know the models in a game or whatever, and they're like, oh, when we zoom right in on this thing, we can see every every one of the hairs on this character's mm. head and all their paws and everything. And I'm like, that's cool, but when I'm playing the game, I can't see any of that shit. Yeah. I can't see any of it, you know. Yeah. Like I got in the last in the last couple of years, I've got a, a PS5 and a 4K TV, and yeah, like it's not like you can see any of that stuff on the screen when you got a character that's just whirling around and doing stuff. Mm. Like, yes, yes, a bunch of stuff looks nice, but I completely agree that I think the 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 directions that they are trying to advance those kinds of games in are often not anything that actually like improves the experience of playing the game for me. And totally. I think you can really see the evidence of that in playing a game like Inscription or, or many other indie games, even things like, I know this is a very old game by now, but like even stuff like Hotline Miami and things mm. where it's like, it, it looks like shit. You know, yeah. like by by design, it's a really, really sort of lo-fi, sort of crunchy looking game. And, but people, people are very enamored with like the vibe or the interesting mechanic or the soundtrack or, or like even just that it's, it's not the same attempting to be very, very realistic, muted color palette of so many of those really big budget games. I would so much rather that somebody was putting the effort into making a game feel good to play mm. or be interesting or or challenging or have something kind of unique going on than to go hey we made we made we made another game that you've got to play for 150 hours Yay. like and 
and I can I can really accept, obviously, that that due to uh, my old old age, that like my life is different to how it was when I was like eighteen or nineteen or twenty and playing video games. And you're mm. like, I have no obligations. I <laughs> I can yeah I can spend many 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 hours, you know, sitting on the couch high playing Grand Theft Auto Four and and looking uh, in every corner of the city. All that sort of stuff, but like I don't, I don't have an unlimited amount of time to devote to stuff anymore. So I kind of, I don't want to feel like I'm just filling hours, yeah, um, or or like ticking boxes or whatever. And when when you were saying about like the 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 devotion to hyper realism and everything in games just not doing anything for you, it was making me think about a, a conversation I keep having about like new movies that I have seen over the last couple of years, I, I keep finding myself having the same experience of watching a movie and going, this is really cool. I'm really enjoying this movie for the first hour. Mm. And then like, and then the last 30 to 60 minutes of the movie just kind of starts to feel like they're treading water and they lose me a bit and I come out a bit disappointed and I'm like, you know what? I would have really liked is if that movie was 30 minutes shorter. If you just trimmed 20 yeah. or 30 minutes out of that movie, right? And I don't mean that like in a, I don't have the attention span to watch a movie kind of way. Mm. But just a lot of movies that I've seen that are like two to two and a half hours long. And I wind up coming out of them and thinking, I think the movie suffered for the additional yeah. content. I think like, yeah, if you, if you had to taken half an hour out of that, trimmed out a couple of plot lines or whatever... I probably would have come out of it going, fantastic, great. Instead of coming out and going, kind of lost me at the end and now I'm out of here just with a kind of a meh feeling mm. instead of a, that was great. And that's how I feel about all the AAA games where I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, there are too many movies that are over two hours that don't need to be. And I don't know if that's, if that's just like a, a modern thing that is happening where... It's like, hey, we're spending $150 million on this movie and it's a big budget extravaganza and we want to make people feel like they're getting their money's worth or whatever. Mm. But it's like, if you know, it's like fucking Ant-Man 4. It doesn't need to be two hours and 20 minutes long or whatever. My kids are not sitting through that shit. Nope. And adults are not interested in Ant-Man for two hours and 20 minutes long. You know, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe they're it's like. A, it's I a would. funny side character. And that being saying, I love Paul Rudd. I think he's a cool guy. Um, I love the bit that he does on Conan O'Brien. It makes me happy. But like, you, you don't need an Ant Man movie to be that long. No, and I I more get the sense that they're like, hey, we're putting all this money into it. We got to put it up there on the screen. Oh yeah. You know, instead of what should be the driver is. What's the person who is consuming this content? And God, that's a vile phrase to use. Sorry. Mm. Um, what was the person who's choking down the slime? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, slogging up the the hogwash. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have a little bit less slime in my pipe. Mm. Thank you. Mm. But I, I feel like that about AAA games. I'm like, you've got this massive studio, and you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases on on some games. Um, you can't. You get the sense uh, with some of those games that like it's 
it's the commerce driving it before the how much you're supposed to enjoy playing the game. When they say we it's got this many hours of content in it, often what we understand that to mean is it's it's got however many of this same thing that you can go and do over yeah. and over again. Yeah. You know, oh you're in a new bit of the map and now you can go and interrogate this guy and you can intimidate this guy and you can stop a bank robbery over here, whatever. Mm. And like, you know, like I was saying, sometimes a, a game will just sort of hook me and I'll go, oh, the gameplay feels good. Like Ghost of Tsushima, I, I was enjoying like just the general kind of fighting people with a sword. Mm. Uh, the, the little parry mechanics and stuff. You could do some cool stuff by the end of the game, much like um, the Sony Spider-Man game. Mm. Uh, I think I played all the way through that because... Again, much like kind of, kind of reminded me of like the, the old what is it, Riot, um, Batman, Arkham games, you know, Rocksteady, Rocksteady. Yeah. Apologies to Rocksteady, um, but yeah, like that was again really similar. Big game, loads of content, hundreds of hours of stuff, gradually drip feeding you all of your abilities and your gadgets and all that shit. And by the end of it, if you're into it, you can be doing cool cool big combos and parry based stuff and all that sort of shit but totally i i do just find at this point that it is a total lottery as to which game will will grab me and this might have been exacerbated by getting the um by like the 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 relatively new thing of like PlayStation Pass yeah and whatever the Xbox equivalent of that is Xbox Game Pass and PlayStation Game Pass. Plus. PlayStation Plus. PlayStation yeah, Plus. That's right. Plus. And yeah, so you, you pay your monthly thing and they go, here's a great big catalog of games and we've chucked tons of Ubisoft ones on there and there's heaps of AAA games and everything. Mm. But it kind of has the what I assume is the unintended side effect of... Because the barrier to entry is so low, I don't have to pay $110. That's right, anybody listening from America, they're making me pay $110 for a new game. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, we used Spell. to pay with coins. We used to pay with coins mm. to play a game. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now it's not like you've forked over a shitload of money to play this game and you're like, oh, I better keep going with it for a while and you know, see if it clicks for me. Now you can mm. play something for like two or three hours ago. Nah, fuck it. Yeah. Nah, you missed it. You missed your I'm chance dead. to hook me. Mm. I'm out of here. And, and I feel like that and, hook early on is so important, you know? Yeah. And now, and for something like Inscription as well, mm. it hooks you and then it's not 80 hours long. It's yeah. not 90 hours long or whatever. Um, it's just, you. I reckon I played through the entire thing in like between five and ten sessions over a couple of weeks. Yeah. And it was done. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't sitting there plugging away at it for for weeks and weeks or anything. I just had a good time and then I went, that was cool. And it made me want to just sort of jump back in and start it again because I was like, I feel like there's stuff I could have done differently that would make some different things happen. Totally. And I would argue that Inscription was probably probably one of like one of the highlights of 2021. I think it won uh, the Game of the Year award at the Game Developers Conference of that year, which is really awesome. Uh, well, like for for should. that year, as they should. And there were also a bunch of other really cool games that came out in 2021. 
And uh, I'm going to kind of go through a few of them. We'll start off with one that I've played a bit of um, recently. I finished uh, the year off. I finished in 2021 and then I revisited again just because I wanted to. I think the first time I played it on Switch and then this time I've been playing it on uh, either Xbox or PlayStation, one of the two. And that was Death's Door and that was another kind of – because Souls-like where you played – this little crow and you're a reaper, the process of death is kind of within like this office space where it's it's all very business focused, right? And mm-hmm. you're just one of many reapers that exist in this office space and you're this, the big soul that you go to take, that you go to reap that's, that's giving you guff and you've, you've defeated it gets taken away by this other Reaper who's clearly been in the other side of the world, like the real world, for a little too long. He's big and he's <laughs> fucked up, right? And in order to get the soul that, you know, you rightly deserve back, uh, he makes you go and get – I think he does or some other guy does. I, I, <laughs> I, I've started playing again and it's just completely left my mind, of course – but uh, you have to go get three other big souls who have been trying to avoid death for a very long time now. And that game is fucking hard. It is hard as shit because it's a Souls-like, you know, and, and Dark Souls mm. hard and in turn Death's all hard. And that game is so fucking difficult. There's no there's no difficulty levels. You, you just – you play and it's hard. Uh, but in turn I got – uh, I got absolutely destroyed by that game. I got really angry. I was actively flipping off my TV. And every time I did well, though, I was jumping for fucking joy. And I was like, I am the best at video games. Nobody is as good at video games as I am. And that feeling of success, I I realized was why so many people play and love the Dark Souls games is because there's that difficulty level and then overcoming that difficulty is what feels so freaking good. I get it. I understand it. I'm never going to play a Dark Souls game, but I get it. I understand. I played uh, Elden Ring Ooh, yeah. when that came out. And this that was after playing Bloodborne and like bouncing off it pretty hard. Um, so I played it and was like, oh, it feels like I'm really stuck in this little bit of this game and... Like, you just, you die and then you're back and so on. Yeah. And, like, the the game does not do much hand-holding at all. No. Um, really not helping you out with anything. Um, but then I saw people talking about Elden Ring as being a much better sort of entry into that because it was like, oh, if you're having a trouble with something, you just turn around and walk in another direction for a while. <laughs> do something else, you do know. Do something else. And, um... And so, yeah, I, I played that and went through that and found it a lot better. And then I went back and played um, Bloodborne after playing Elden Ring and was like, mm. oh, all the gameplay mechanics make sense to me now. And, yeah. And then played through that and had a had a much better time. And like, I think to your comments before about difficulty levels in games and being able to just kind of turn the difficulty for stuff up and down. And depending on the, the game that you're playing, you can just like adjust it from moment to moment in yeah. the game as well. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you've probably discussed before all of the like 
discourse around that stuff with the Souls oh, games yeah. in particular, where it's like, oh, uh, you know, all the sort of get good kind of shit, which is annoying and stupid. Yeah, totally. But by the same token, it's like, it's it's very obviously been designed as a very specific experience and way of interacting with the game. Mm. And like, there's nothing wrong with playing a game and going, or, or like anything else, like listening to an album or watching a movie or whatever and going, I'm not connecting with this and I don't think it's for me. Like I don't, I don't think anybody has any obligation to like keep doing a thing till you like it. Life's too short for that shit. Oh yeah, I think in like while I think it's really cool to have difficulty levels, and I think that's such an awesome kind of moment we are in video games where anybody of any gaming level can play a, a game and and have a similar experience. If if not, just the only difference being difficulty. I think that's very cool. At the same time, in the same breath. I am also completely fine with a game just not being for me or not being for someone else purely based on difficulty alone. Like, like I enjoyed as much as I did play of Elden Ring, but at the end of the day, I didn't finish it because I was like, you know what? I don't think I have the time and energy to put into getting good at this game. And, and, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm moving on. And I'm doing something else. And and at the same time as seeing that Elden Ring isn't for me, I can also see it for what it is, which was probably one of the best games of that year. Hands down. I'm fine with saying that. But yeah, it's it, it, and Death's Door, in that same sense, was really, really hard. But at the same time, clearly wasn't hard enough because I finished it. Uh, and I'm notably terrible at video games. So if a game can make me feel good at them, then... I would say that's my game of the year. And that's why it was in 2021. Death Still was my game of the year. Yeah. Game of the year. Same publisher as Inscription. There you go. That's true. It's, uh, uh, was it Devolver Digital? Devolver Digital. Devolver Same publisher Digital. of Hotline Miami, another notoriously hard Deathloop type game. And so I would go as far as to say as um, Devolver Digital was probably 2021's publisher of the year. For me and bloody good on them in my yeah. opinion but that's about all the freaking time we've got so andrew how can we find you uh you can find me on the podcast punta vista where we talk about i don't know i guess whatever's going on in the world of like trucks that have turned over and spilled loose meat onto the highway <laughs> police accidentally shooting themselves in the united states uh bigfoot sightings awesome all the important stuff you know Actually, specifically the opposite of that. <laughs> We're often covering <laughs> the least important news stories uh, that you can possibly imagine. But it's so good because yeah, nobody can... else is going to do it. That's right. Everybody's busy talking about all the stuff you've already heard about, you know? Uh, so, yes, we have a firm policy that as soon as any of us have seen a story somewhere more than once, it is stricken from the record. We will not be talking about it. If a, if a listener, if a beloved listener submits a story to the show and says, you guys should talk about this, we say, no, you've already heard about it. <laughs> no. Clearly we can't because you read it. That's right. You ruined it, we say, yeah. in our adversarial relationship with our beloved listeners. <laughs> it's, a good way. it's a good way to be, absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and thank you for being my friend. Oh, 
Thank you for being my friend. Friendship beautiful, everybody. Friendship is beautiful. And a big thank you to you for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing, why not give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're using? Better yet, why not give us a nice little review? Here's one from Cully M with the title, Super Interesting. Every episode of this show so far has been really interesting and goes way beyond the usual pop culture mainstream gaming discussion. It might be hard to garner an audience for a show without a strict format or premise, but that is what makes this show so great. I love the variety of topics, the guests, and the host. Ruby has been super passionate about every discussion so far. Can't wait to hear more. I appreciate when people are like, uh, you know, this rocks, I really like it. And in the same breath going like, I don't know how this is going to be successful, but I like it either way. Like, right. I, I think it's great. I think it's great that someone with your unconventional looks can... <laughs> what? What are you saying oh, to me? Huh? I think it's really great what you do despite being <laughs> so strange and so off-putting. No, but th- that genuinely was a very nice review. Thank you very much. And hey, if you really like what you're hearing and you'd like to hear more, consider supporting Back Pocket over on Patreon, where you can get access to our lovely Discord full of all sorts of buds. And if you support us at the silver or gold tier, you can get access to even more audio content just like this. You can also find us on Twitch, where we've got our main live show every Thursday from 7pm AEST. And on TikTok, where we are constantly posting very good stuff for you to cast your big, beautiful eyes on. And then there's the socials, all the Twitter and threads, whatever, which you're also welcome to get around. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as the human embodiment of the year 2021 would say, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.